Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. They take care of our air conditioning, and they can take care of yours, yours as well. Check out the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is NaplesIllustrated.com. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Liz Birney. She's a director of special projects at the Zionist Organization of America. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? She'll be joining us as well as Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He, uh, held off SEIU union bosses over the course of two and a half years and all their dirty tricks. Uh, They wanted to sign a neutrality agreement, which he refused to do. He said, if you want to unionize our our employees, you're going to have to do it through secret ballot. He prevailed and wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Always appreciate his commentary as well. It is July the 31st, last day of July, if you can believe that. And on this day in 1975, James Riddle Hoffa, One of the most influential American labor leaders of the 20th century was officially reported missing after he failed to return home the previous night. Though he's properly believed to have been a victim of a mafia hit, conclusive evidence has never been found and Hoffa's fate remains a mystery. He was born in 1913 to a poor coal miner in Brazil, Indiana. Jimmy Hoffa proved a natural leader in his youth. At the age of 20, he helped organize a labor strike in Detroit and remained an advocate for downtrodden workers the rest of his life. His charisma and talents as a local organizer quickly got him noticed by the Teamsters and carried him upward through his ranks. Then a small but rapidly growing union, the Teamsters organized truckers across the country, and though the use, through the use of strikes, boycotts, and other powerful though less legal methods of protest, won contract demands on behalf of workers. Hoffa became president of the Teamsters in 1957 when informed leader was imprisoned for bribery. As Chief uh, Hoffa was lauded for his tireless work to expand the union and for his unflagging devotion to even the organization's least powerful members, his caring and approachability was captured in one of the most more well-known quotes attributed to him. He says, you got a problem? (laughs) Just call me, pick up the phone, he said. His dedication to his workers and electrifying speeches made him wildly popular, both among his fellow workers and politicians and businessmen whom, with whom he negotiated. Yet for all the battles he fought and won on behalf of American drivers, he also had a dark side. In Hoffa's time, many Teamster leaders partnered with the Mafia in racketeering, extortion, and embezzlement. Hoffa himself had relationships with high-ranking mobsters and was the target of several government investigations through the 60s. And in 1967, he was convicted of bribery and sentenced to 13 years in prison. And while in jail, Hoffa never ceded his office, and when Richard Dixon commuted his sentence in 1971, he was uh, poised to make a comeback. Released on the condition of not participating in union activities for 10 years, Hoffa was planning to fight the restriction in court when he disappeared on the afternoon of July the 30th, uh, 1975, from the parking lot of the restaurant in Detroit, not far from where he got his start as a labor organizer. His family filed a missing persons report to the Bloomfield Township Police the next day, and several conspiracy theories have been floating about Hoffa's disappearance and the unknown location of his remains, but uh, the truth remains unknown. One is that he's buried in the the stadium where the Giants play, Uh, but who knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Certainly did have a a dark side and uh, used lots of force in order to get his way and lots of dirty tricks, which we'll be talking to uh, Dave Beagle later in the show about that. Well, let's do a COVID update then, uh, you know, about the fear here, which is probably bigger than the uh, than the real problem with the COVID-19. But 177 new cases on the Paradise Coast in Collier County on Thursday. Uh, we now have 9,355 confirmed positive tests. Now, mind you, there could be several people who've taken the t- test many times out of 157,918 tests and 121 deaths. There were 132 uh, patients being treated in the hospital yesterday at 11 a.m., and the county now has 
about 19% of its total hospital beds available and 34.1% of its adult ICU beds available. So, the curve has been flattened. Not a problem with overwhelming the healthcare system. So, the press right now is focusing on the number of cases, positive tests. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean that people are going to die. They just tested positively for the, for the virus. Uh, Florida recorded its third straight day of, re- of COVID-19 deaths. It was also the second day in a row uh, that the uh, daily fatality rate uh, count top 200 in Florida. So this is the press, again, trying to fan the flames here. Uh, so Governor DeSantis did not respond to requests for comment when he met earlier in the day with state aerospace leaders at the public roundtable discussion in Merritt Island he pointed to declining hospitalization rates in parts of the state that's what he should be focusing on in Florida the number of people needing hospitalizations primarily because of COVID-19 symptoms has continued to decline underscoring continued to decline Though hospitalizations have leveled off, new infections, of course, according to the press, continue to rise. And, of course, that's the case. But, uh, again, just a reminder, Herman Cain was on the show several times, enjoyed uh, his, I'll call him a friend. He was uh, just a great guy. He's the former Republican presidential candidate. He was a leader of Godfather Pizza as well as Burger King at one time, a great businessman. He was hospitalized for coronavirus and died. He succumbed to it uh, yesterday. So sad. Well, just over 153,000 Americans have uh, been recorded as having died from coronavirus, and fewer than 200 of them were below the age of 25. Let that sink in for a moment. 200 out of 153,000 below the age of 25 in the most recent week of data available, a total of 408 people between the ages of 15 and 24 died in the U.S., five of which were from coronavirus. For the age 5 to 14 range, uh, the figures were 53 total deaths, zero from coronavirus. And while teachers' unions and Democrats are heavily protesting reopening schools, the consensus among the CDC, Dr. Fauci, and even Bill Gates is they should reopen the schools uh, when it comes to the uh, risks children face at school, there are already far greater public health risks for children that they face that we don't even keep close school for, schools for, like, for example, the uh, flu. Now, this is analysis according to Unbiased America. During the 2018-19 flu season, 21,012 of the 53.6 million children aged 5 to 17 in the United States required hospitalization because of the flu. 21,000. That equates to a hospitalization of 39.2 per 100,000 people, or kids. Meanwhile, the result in the hospitalization of 5.8 per 100,000 children aged 5 to 17 for COVID-19. You see the difference here? We've really just taken this thing way out of proportion. So uh, just do want to move on to another uh, issue here. Just quite frankly, this all demonstrates, uh, well, what about teachers? According to the CDC, mortality rate for flu is 1.8 per 100,000 people aged 18 to 49. Uh, CDC doesn't break out the flu rates uh, for smaller age groups. For COVID, it's 0.4 for ages 15 to 24, 2 for 25 to 34. So as you can see, uh, COVID-19 flu rates or, or death rates <clears throat> hospitalization rates, I should say, is much lower uh, than it is for the flu, for a t- teacher's age, uh, for t- uh, people teaching school at the ages of uh, 25 to 54. Uh, with the flu that's dangerous to children relative to coronavirus, hopefully some liberal out there doesn't interpret this evidence to keep schools closed forever. We should open the schools. We're certainly doing that here in Collier County. Now, one other thing, Dr. Harvey Risch, a noted Yale epidemiologist, epidemiologist, <laughs> it's difficult for me to say, anyhow, has accused the White House Coronavirus Task Force member Anthony Fauci of waging a misinformation campaign against the drug hydrocloxychloroquine and encouraging results and in, in treating COVID-19 when used properly. Now, he says you have to use it before hospitalization. Uh, when people just get, uh, get coronavirus and start to show symptoms, not later when they're about to die or go on a uh, ventilator. So um, 
he really takes issue. Why? Why are? Why is the the media? Why is Fauci? Why are they re, uh, standing up against all the evidence that points to the fact that uh, hydroxychloroquine actually works? Now, not yesterday, uh, in fact, the president defended a group of doctors who spoke out about the effectiveness of uh, hydroxychloroquine. At a press conference, he said that you know, he was aware that Facebook, Twitter, and Google had removed videos of the group uh, America's fr- Frontline Doctors at their Capitol Hill press conference on Monday. The video of the doctors, published by uh, Breitbart News on Facebook, was wildly popular online before the platform removed it. He said, uh, Trump said, I don't know why. I think there's a very respected doctors, he said, questioning the social media companies for deciding to m- remove the videos. So where does Facebook, Google, uh, Twitter, where do these folks come off making judgments about the efficacy of medical treatment? It's, uh, it's, it's uh, been these doctors. One doctor said 350 of my patients, many of them had uh, uh, symptoms for other, other things, were able to be healed and uh, recovered from coronavirus. Makes no sense. Makes me very suspicious. I, I would conjecture it may be because uh, the, Dr. Fauci's in bed with the Bill Gates folks and trying to develop this vaccine and make tons of money from it. I don't know for sure, but uh, something is up. Something's fishy. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite Luxury Lifestyles, the, vo- the website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. That's summer camps, by the way, for kids. You can find out more by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Right now we have with us William Yateman. William is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. And for our listeners that may not be aware, could you tell us a little bit about the Cato Institute? You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So uh, the, the tale of a thousand lights continues on with the D.C. Circuit Court agrees to hear the case on Barr's decision to drop charges against Michael Flynn. I guess he's asked for uh, this uh, Emmett uh, Sullivan, the judge, has asked for an en banc hearing of the situation, and that's going to be held, I guess, on August the 11th. This is just defies any kind of logic and legal uh, judgment whatsoever. I just can't understand this. Any comments? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, regardless the the procedural legal nuance at play, this just defies common sense. I mean, the government has asked the court to dismiss the case. There's no one to prosecute it. Um, for whatever reason, Judge Sullivan, the district court judge in D.C., um, sought to proceed in a fashion by uh, appointing a former judge to effectively make the case against Flynn. Um, a, a, a three-judge panel at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals in, in an extraordinary mandamus decision um, by a two-to-one vote um, had said, Sullivan, you know, look, <laughs> cut the, cut the a bull and, and, you know, dismiss this case. Um, he subsequently appealed to the full D.C. court. I think there's 11 judges, but one would be recused, so 10 would hear the case. Um, and whether the court decided sua sponte, which is on its own initiative, or whether in response to Sullivan's uh, uh, petition to hear the, you know, have the full court rehear the case, it decided to proceed. Uh, one thing I'm thankful about was uh, uh, the seemingly expedited nature of the proceedings. It, it would be it would just be a gross into already Flynn has been subjected to a gross injustice. He got railroaded by the FBI. Um, now he's getting railroaded by a federal judge. Yeah. Um, but were Trump to lose in November, it, it is possible that uh, President Biden would decide to sick the state apparatus on Mr. Flynn again. Yeah. Um, and that would just be, I don't know, a, a bridge too far. He's already, it's already a bridge too far. It's already beyond the pale. But, um, the prospect of that, a further politicized justice, um, does irk me. Well, and again, as I understand it, the uh, court, the district uh, court has, as you mentioned, 11 judges. Ten of them would hear the case. And as I understand it, seven of them have been appointed by, you know, uh, Clinton or uh, other Democrat uh, presidents. So uh, the, my point is, here we, we're just politicizing this process even more if, in fact, they actually, he actually uh, prevail. I mean, this is going to go to the Supreme Court, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, th- this is this is a big deal. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I'll say this just sort of in the, as an aside: um, the fact that this is not a scandal that has been front page news on a daily basis, not just what Judge Emmett Sullivan is doing, um, but the FBI abuses to which Flynn was subjected. And yeah. We're you know thanks to this case, we're getting sort of a weekly um, tranche of documents delivered that sort of. A, a, Expose further every single week, sort of the um, really the vile nature of this investigation, the politicized nature of this investigation from the beginning. So yeah. it is. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: I am loath to impugn the motives of judges. Um, I do believe that these people believe in the law. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm not going to look at the political composition of the court and think, "Oh, well, you know, Flynn is going to have a super tough time." Yeah. Um, that said. Uh, you would I hope so. I've been surprised yeah, thus far, so I mean, I don't know what to say. You, that, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? And I, the, the, what I believe, actually, the political motive behind this might be to keep, I don't know if he's still under a gag order, but I'm sure his, his, uh, Sidney Powell is telling him, his counsel, uh, please don't say anything uh, kind of controversial because this could lead to some problems for you until we get this thing all cleared up. Point being, he, you know, he knows a lot. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the Obama administration wanted him, you know, out of the way. Quite frankly, 
Well, uh, you know, again, it was. I would say uh, three, two years ago, I would have said that's outrageous, Bob. Um, but you know, due to these the, this information that has since come out and is coming out pretty much every week. Yeah. Um, and here I'll plug the reporting of John Solomon at Just the News, yeah. who has been all over this case and the release of these documents. But in, in light of what we know now. I'm not putting anything past the motives of this investigation. Yeah. So, um, you, alas, but that's where we are. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for the update on that. Before I let you go, though, I do want to get to Trump suggested, uh, he, you know, it might be wise to delay the election till after November 3rd until people can vote securely. <laughs> and what a, what a tempest in a teapot he's created. Any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, a couple thoughts. Uh, one, look, I disagree with delaying the election. However, I'll say this. I was just told by the mayor of D.C. that it's unsafe to send my four-year-old back to pre-K. Yeah. If it's unsafe to school our children, there is a certain logic at play with it being unsafe to go to the polls. That said, I don't disagree with it. Um, I don't think the president was particularly serious. I do think that is another example of the president uh, doing what he's really good at, which is controlling the media agenda. Whatever criticisms were being leveled at him, days ago, you know, Portland, oh my gosh, we've got these unmarked federal troops there. Yeah. Um, no one's talking about that anymore. Now they're talking about what he tweeted yesterday, and I bet he'll do it again, you know, within 48 hours, and the media will again be kind of agog over a news subject. So um, I, I think there might be a method in his madness oh, to these wacky tweets. He's so many steps ahead of the press, and uh, the Democrats, it's just unbelievable. I think his his tweet on this about the declaring the election was just minutes after it was announced announced that the economy has tanked by 9.4 percent or whatever the percentage <laughs> there you <was>. have it. <laughs> so anyhow william i just really appreciate your comment here in the show just remind our listeners to check out the website cato.org c-a-t-o.org william thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me on Bob. always a pleasure all right coming up we're going to visit uh with uh, Liz Bierney, she is the Director of Special Projects at Zionist Organization of America. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board. I hope you'll check it out, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Liz Birney. She is the Director of Special Project at the, at the Zionist Organization of America. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about the Zionist Organization of America. Well, the Zionist Organization of America, also known as ZOA, uh, is the oldest pro-Israel organization in the United States, formed in 1897. Uh, it had a key role in, in the uh, setting the um, establishing the legal background, the legal grounds uh, for Israel's reestablishment. And uh, there, you know, there were several international legal, uh, international uh, treaties in the 1920s that uh, re- you know, legally reestablished Israel, uh, or set, set, set the grounds for that so that Israel could be reestablished in 1948. Um, we uh, combat anti-Semitism. One of the earliest uh, presidents of the ZOA was the first uh, Jewish Supreme Court Justice, Louis Brandeis. Our president today is also very well known, Morton, Mr. Morton Klein. And uh, we're on the campuses where uh, we educate Congress. Uh, we're defending Jewish students on campuses whose rights have been, uh, you know, are often trampled on. Um, you know, there are a lot of problems with the hate group uh, Students for Justice in Palestine on the college campuses. Um, which we could discuss if you'd like. Yeah, and uh, because that really ties into I know the topic today. Yeah, well, so and, you, you uh, think that you think that uh, Jewish people would be united in the support of your organization and what it stands for, and yet uh, a column came, uh, here is: liberal Jewish leaders accuse Jews of racism, cover up anti-Semitism. Maybe you could tell us about it. Uh, we are often it's very sad. Um, we're often attacked by uh, left-wing Jewish groups. Uh, they call us racist. They call us Islamophobic for simply standing up for the Jewish people. Uh, we pointed out, uh, and one, one of the issues that we pointed out um, recently is that the Black Lives Matter organization, and I'm not talking about the, the, the phrase Black Lives Matter, because, of course, Black Lives Matter and the killing of George Floyd was horrible, and we mourn that with everybody else, but the organization itself mm-hmm. has a platform that's extremely anti-Semitic, falsely accuses Israelis of, of committing genocide which is uh, against Palestinians, which is absurd because when Israel was reestablished in 1948, there were 170,000 uh, Arabs in the country, and now there are 10 times as many, 1.7 million in, mm-hmm. is, in Israel. Um, so, it, you know, and other absurd, they make other absurd uh, allegations against Israel. Uh, you had a riot in, uh, in which you know I'm sure your 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 listeners probably know about, but a lot of people don't even want to talk about that. There was a uh, basically a pogrom in Los Angeles in the Jewish section of Los Angeles, instigated by Black Lives Matter, where they looted. Jewish stores, they burned and, and defaced Jewish synagogues. Mm. I think this is very, you know, I mean, they've also done the same thing to churches, but this was specifically, this one was specifically aimed at the Jewish community. Um, and when we spoke, speak out about this, the platform, and there's also ties between Black Lives Matter and uh, some groups uh, it, it, tied to the PSLP, Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is a Designated U.S. designated terrorist organization. Yes. Um, they and and, and you know, several. There's three different uh, PFLP front groups that that uh, what do you call the Black Lives Matter is tied to. Uh, one of them uh, was responsible for writing uh, much of the Black Lives Matter platform, which is why it's so anti-Semitic. We talk about these things, and you would think that people would support us, just as you said. And instead, we're called racist and Islamophobic for talking about reality. Yeah, well, you know, and I don't think that the uh, Jews are singled out by these Black Lives Matters, these anarchists, because <laughs> they want to destroy the society. But ir- irrespective, I mean, I think it's uh, absolutely wrong that uh, Jews would be singled out by, as uh, for this kind of violence. And what's really disappointing is, I recall, uh, there was a, a, a 
a movement by and the details are not fresh in my mind but as i recall the, the there was a, a, a call against anti-semitism in Congress, and it was got watered down because of the resistance of uh, people like uh, I, don't know, I forgot her name, but uh, the uh, the Ilan, woman Omar and exactly, and and they ended up watering down and not even speaking out about this. It's just it's it's really disappointing. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. And in fact, that was the, the, that that was the topic that Morton Klein uh, started discussing in Congress. Um, Morton Klein testified last April, uh, April 2019, uh, before the Judiciary Committee on Hate Crimes. Um, and Jerry Nadler, who you spoke about this week regarding his rude treatment of, uh, of Attorney General Barr, yeah. uh, when, uh, when Morton Klein started speaking about the anti-Semites in Congress and how, if we, how you know, Congress send, sends a message to the whole country and the lack of civility there, and when they treat people badly, that sends a message that that's, it's okay to, to treat people, that for everybody to treat people badly. They ga- Jerry Nadler gaveled down Martin Klein and wouldn't let him continue his time, stopped him from, from going on when he started to talk about the anti-Semites in Congress and said, if you want to do something about hate crimes, you have to set a good example. Your time is up, and he starts gaveling him down. Yeah. It was very interesting. A Republican congressman who nobody from ZOA had ever met before, a name Andy Biggs from Arizona. Yes. Uh, when it was his turn to speak, said, "You know, Congressman Nadler, Gavel, Chairman Nadler, gaveled you down. I'm going to give you the rest of my time so that you can finish your remarks." Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's what a gentleman does. You let people speak. If, if you don't even let people speak in Congress, if they say something that you disagree with, what does that say for well, the uh, this cancel culture and the willingness of, of people in the public to allow people to, 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 to speak out? Oh, and, and, and it's just despicable, the treatment, for, for example, Brett Kavanaugh, when he was, his hearing for uh, his confirmation as becoming a justice of the Supreme Court. And then how about our, our uh, attorney general? The other day, and, and his treatment uh, by Congress by these Democrats is just outrageous that uh, they would treat people this way. It's so disappointing. And there's also, I think, resistance to President uh, Trump's decision to make uh, Jerusalem the center for our uh, diplomatic activities, as opposed to Tel Aviv. And uh, wh- what's that all about? Well, that's actually something that we worked on for for a very long time. We were involved in the night in 1995 was when the Jerusalem Embassy Act passed, and we were very involved in the passage of it uh, and working. And that, that was passed almost unanimously, I think, uh, 95 to 3 in the Senate and over, just overwhelmingly in the House. And that was supposed to be, um, and, and, and at the last minute, Clinton and, and some Democrats, somebody who was see, cons- insisted that they had to have a waiver provision to allow presidents to waive moving the embassy for six months at a time. And there were congressional hearings at the time, and they said, this is not supposed to be used very often. You can only use this for two two or three times. You know, this is not, was not supposed to be something that was used by president after president for 23 years. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, Mark Klein testified about this and the problems with using this waiver. I mean, this is Israel's capital. Every other... Uh, ev- the diplomatic uh, embassy for every other nation in the world uh, that where the United States has an embassy is in that nation's capital. Yeah. Um, and so this was really discrimination. And finally, President Trump moved the embassy, and you know we really thank him for that. And the groups who didn't like that and criticized us for our involvement in that. Yeah. So I just really appreciate it. Speaking speaking out against discrimination of any sort to anyone is wrong in the United States. I just genuinely appreciate appreciate your bringing this to uh, this to our attention. Uh, Liz, what can we do to support your efforts? Um, oh gosh. Well, we have action alerts. You know, get involved with ZOA, Zionist Organization of America. Our website is zoa.org. Um, you know, try to push for, you know, what you're doing and, and trying to push for general civility in the United States is so important. Absolutely. Um, sign up for, you know, of, of course we appreciate donations, but also sign up for our website. We often have action alerts on different issues. When you get an action alert, 
go ahead and do whatever it is. For instance, you know, if there is a discriminatory boycott uh, carried on by a U.S. company. Yeah. Um, so again, the website, uh, Liz, is again zoa.org. Zoa.org. Yeah, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful morning. You as well. Thank you. Uh, discrimination of any sort it should be wrong in the United States. And you can see what's happening with Black Lives Matter. Uh, what's really disappointing is you see uh, the NBA, all the players taking a knee for Black Lives Matter. I'm not sure they're totally aware of what uh, Black Lives Matter really stands for. If you check out the website for Black Lives Matter, they are anarchists. They want to destroy our country. They want to, and as you just heard, they want to be uh, uh, against the Jews. And, well, you know, again, they can come for everybody, quite frankly. They want to destroy America. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She is the author of Where Should We Eat? She also writes commentary on travel, dining, and entertainment. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now. Also, take a look at the uh, kids for uh, the programs for kids uh, during the summer. Go to golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. She uh, is the author of Where Should We Eat? It's a great little handbook, if you will, for recommendations on places to eat for any circumstance. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to talk to you, Bob. Thank you, Sharon. So I understand we missed Lasagna Day. Well, you know, I usually don't like to talk to you about things that have already happened and that you've missed, yeah. but this is going to happen again, so I think you should put it on your, on your calendar. Uh, uh, July 29 was National Lasagna Day. Had no and idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knew? And so the uh, Barbatella, which is a great Italian restaurant down on 3rd Street, yep. uh, featured a 100-layer lasagna. And uh, they had promoted it. There was a story in the paper about it on National Lasagna Day. As a consequence, they were sold out. The wow. place was packed, which was great to see, I must say, to see a place that, and of course, observing social distancing and all of the, the, 
the safety measures were kept in place, but um, it was lively and people were enjoying it. And the 100-layer lasagna was so good that they definitely will be not waiting until National Lasagna Day next year to repeat it. They'll be repeating it again before long. See, I'm trying to envision what a 100-layer lasagna might look like. <laughs> it must have it been was a, f- a large pan, and the, so the layers were very, very thin, almost crepe-like thin. Yeah. But then they made a large pan. It was about a foot high, if you can imagine. Yeah. And then it was sliced lengthways into a piece that was probably four inches by two inches. Wow. But a foot long wow. on your plate. <laughs> and was absolutely a delicious mass of cheese and, and tomato sauce and uh, probably a bechamel was in there as well as a bolognese sauce. Well, it now, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really regretting that I missed it. I'm so sorry. Yes, well, if you go on Facebook or Twitter or something and put in Barbatella National Lasagna Day, you'll see pictures of it and you'll be drooling. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I'm drooling just thinking about it and I can't wait for the next time they do it. Well, hey, now that we're talking about food, I do want to do a little shout out for Lulabee's Diner for lunch and breakfast. I failed to mention earlier in the show that uh, they're doing construction there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. It looks like a mess there in the shopping center, but Lulabee's is open for business and serving great breakfast for lunch, so I hope people will take advantage of that. Well, you know, Bob, breakfast is a big thing to me and my husband right now because we bought new electric bikes, and so we're biking to different breakfast places in the morning. Wow. So yes, hate- and so we're looking for good breakfast places, and one of our favorite breakfast places has not reopened, and I heard the broken egg will not reopen, which is a sad thing. Oh, that is a sad thing. But I'd back to electric bikes, I would imagine that they're a pretty hot item now with everything that's been going on. Were they, was it hard to find them? Or where, where, where did you get them? Bikes in general are sold out everywhere, yeah. um, but they are starting to come in. We got ours at the bike route which is a locally owned bicycle place. Love the bike route. I've been using, I've been buying from them for 20 years, but they are down on the 41 and about 5th Avenue North. Uh. Um, but they do have some bikes in stock. But the electric bike is, a, is an innovation, came out of Europe, I believe, and you cannot tell. If, for the uninitiated, you can't really tell. It's The motor is hidden in the frame. And what it does is it gives you a boost if you need it. And so it's a regular bike when you want it to be a regular bike. But if you hit like a bridge, an incline, if you turn the corner and you're going into the wind, or if you and Linda have gone out for an hour-long bike ride, had a lunch, and you kind of want to leisurely ride back, you get the boost in there, and it gives you extra um, an extra boost. It, it turns the wheel for you, but it will not turn it if, you not pipe, if you're not pedaling. Huh. So it's not like a, a scooter, an electric scooter. This you have to keep pedaling. Ah, so interesting. Well, um, sounds <laughs> sounds fascinating to me. I, I love biking, so it's, I've uh, reduced the amount of biking I do primarily because of distracted drivers. There's people looking at their cell phones while they're driving and talking and so forth. I used to uh, ride 6,000 miles a year, if you can believe that. That for many oh, many wow. years, so it was every, daily riding is what it amounted to. But I've really reduced it because uh, you see people so distracted on the way on the roadways. It's <laughs> very concerning. Well, these electric bikes aren't racing bikes. You know, they're not bent, meant for speed, uh, yeah. even though they give you speed. Um, but they're more of a commuting bike or a touring bike. Yep. And so you were in an upright position, so you are much more visible and you see things more than in a racing position. Yeah. And they were designed as commuter bikes so yeah. that you could, you know, wear your work clothes to work and arrive not in a, you know, sh- disheveled and yeah. sweaty and you, because you had that little electric boost. Now, th- well, thanks for sharing that with us because uh, I was very curious about that. And you're quite right. I would imagine as people are looking for ways to get around without using their car and that kind of thing. Are they expensive? They are. They can be expensive. Okay. Um, you know, it's like I, everything I, else. You've got a range. And, of course, your features go up. I mean, I've got a little computer on mine. You can also plug your phone in. Oh, my and goodness. And it keeps track of your speed, your distance, the calories burned, um, all sorts of stuff. It's really fascinating. You know, all of these... Uh, there's always computers built into everything these days. Well, this has been such a pleasant surprise to talk about this. Well, it kind of brings up the topic, topic about uh, what's happening with people, are snowbirds, are people going to continue to come down here, or, you know, with everything that's going on, any thoughts? 
Well, I think that's the number one topic of speculation around everybody I know, and everybody has a different opinion. Um, we hear everything. It's like the most rumored, uh, rumorful uh, topic these days. Are people going to come back? Who would come back? People are saying, oh, they're never going to come back down to Florida because of the numbers. And then other people, you know, have never left. And, you know, they say uh, uh, that real estate is booming in Florida, in South Florida. Yeah, it's it. that's so what I, I we're talk- hearing both sides. Yeah, I talked to a real estate attorney, played golf with him. Good golfer, by the way, but uh, had had a great time visiting with him afterwards on lunch. And he says he's been so busy; he has so many closings going on because, in some cases, people are da- coming down here from big cities, uh, like in Chicago or in uh, New York. But in one case, he said that if somebody bought a three million dollar house sight unseen. They just want to get out of the city they're in, you know, that kind of thing. So I've heard that for sure. And yet, then there's speculation that people, you know, because of the numbers. The speculation about the numbers is, you know, oh, why would we ever go to Florida? Yeah, and that's because of the mass thing and the and the virus and all that, right? Right. Yes, and well, the numbers and uh, and that. But you know, I know we have a, a rental property, and the people canceled because she, the wife, is not going to well, refuses to travel. Well, and they weren't even going to be down until March. Yeah, we had we had friends that. Uh, said well, they wanted to come down in June. And they own a home down here, by the way, and then they canceled that. I, I, they didn't tell me why, but I, you know, uh, I, I suspect it's probably because of the rumors up north about what's going on down here. I don't know about you, but my life hasn't changed much because of coronavirus. I play golf four or five times a week and uh, can t- go about my business. We're going out to dinner tonight, so life is good. I think we live in the best place in the world. I always feel that way, and I, it hasn't changed. Absolutely. Uh, for listeners that may not be aware, this is the happiest and the healthiest city in the nation out of 196 cities, according to some metrics that are published every year, uh, Sharon. So you're absolutely right. Just uh, genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great way to start the weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you so much. And I miss Lasagna Day. Did you? Oh, how disappointing. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Dell at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare 
and back to work. And, you know, that's not what the Democrats want. They want everybody, everybody getting those, uh, those uh, food cards. So you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bego, the author of uh, The Devil at Our Doorstep. And uh, he was assaulted by SEIU union bosses over the course of two and a half years. He prevailed. They wanted to uh, be, have him sign a neutrality agreement, allowing them to sign up his employees one at a time and use whatever tactics they they could, including intimidation, to get to uh, unionize his uh, his business. He said, nope, if you're going to unionize uh, executive management services, you're going to have to do it uh, by secret ballot. And he prevailed. They went away after two and a half years, and he wrote a book about it, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Bob, and I'm glad you uh, talked so much about my book to start with, because um, I want to talk, uh, as we discussed a little bit, about what's going on in this election. And uh, the whole thing that's going on in this are the same tactics and the same uh, agenda that was used against me in trying to force unionize our employees. Uh, across the country, and um, you know, they, they they tried to downgrade me and called me biased and racist and a bigot and all kinds of stuff and attacked me in the press and and used politicians against me and clergy people and did rallies and riots in the streets across the Midwest against us and uh, you know all the things we're seeing today. Yeah, and this is this is this is what they do, and the SEIU and other big unions and Soros and the they're the ones behind all this because they want to bring down the Republican Party and turn us into a communistic state. And, uh, you know, that's the whole goal on this thing. And I encourage people because um, they, they need to know how long I've been involved in this and, and uh, that I, I not just wrote the book. I wrote, wrote a bunch of blogs, and I actually started writing blogs in uh, May of 2010, and I didn't stop, stop the blogs until November 2017. And when you go back uh, and read about it, it talks about social, socialism is socialism. And uh, I talk about Antifa in there and mm-hmm. Soros and the SAIU and, and all their programs and what they're doing. You know, the promises they make to people, we'll give you this, we'll give you this, that. But that's just a socialism uh, step so they can take you from socialism to communism. And I encourage my people... Um, they can go to a special website that I have, uh, and they can read the blogs. And you can actually, when you go on the website, um, you can go down to um, the um, – um, hold on just a minute. He's taking a look at uh, To the middle of it, to the right side. And by the way, this, this website is called uh, Devil at My Doorstep, Devil at My Doorstep dot WordPress dot com. And uh, down um, on the first page, about halfway, there's a thing called Archive Post. And you can click on an arrow, arrow and it'll show you all the, the months from May of uh, 2010 to November of 2017. You click on a month, and you can read some of this stuff. Well, you can I- go back into May of you know, into 2010 and see I was talking about some of this stuff then. And this is the same agenda, and America needs to wake up because... They want to bring down America and get rid of God, and I, I, that just really infuriates me. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you want proof, just think about what uh, Jerry Nadler's opening statement about William Barr, uh, our attorney general, was just absolutely awful and outrageous and lies. And the, the, you know, when you read the book, your book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, which I really appreciate, because it reads like a murder mystery. You, you can't make this stuff up, what these people are willing to do in order to use uh, nefarious tactics to get uh, get their way. And it's just really awful. And, 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 of course, that's what we're seeing in the Democrat Party. That's what we're seeing in unions right now. That's right, and here's the other thing, and another reason the unions are really, you know, they're pushing a lot of money into this election. I heard the other day that the SEIU's already contributed $350 million to the Democratic Party. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's all dues money, too, and people need to understand that. Well, that's and, right. Um, I hear Soros uh, is putting up another $50 million himself, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it's incredible what they're doing to try and, st- and bring us down. And uh, part of what the unions don't like is the Trump administration is doing the right things. And, by the way, I think Trump has read my book. He's read a lot of my blogs. And he's, um, 
he's, he's starting to change some get things changed through the uh, NLRB because he's put the right people on the panel there. And they just came out this week and, um, uh, the NLRB and, uh, their uh, notice of a proposed rulemaking, making, uh, changing union election rules. And the first amendment of this would, um, um, eliminate the requirement for employers to provide, um, uh, employees' personal email addresses and home addresses and personal cell phone numbers and all uh, other things, and um, um, also would uh, if 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 they're off for because they're on military duty or something, they'd get absentee ballots that they could still put their uh, decision in uh, about the union and that. And these are things the unions don't like. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because uh, there, uh, during the Obama years, there was a lot of uh, rules that were put in place that I think uh, really favored the unions, not the employees, but the unions. And uh, I think it's important to get, you know, some unions are quite good, quite frankly. Trade unions, I think they do a good job. But the SEIU is just really corrupt, in my opinion. And uh, there should be limitations on the type of activities they can bring about in order to unionize. Well, that's right. But it's not just the SEIU, it's the AFL-CIO and the teacher unions. I mean, teacher unions across the country, um, you know, um, they're, they're in, in favor of Biden, but they also came out this week, and the, the, the union leader for the teachers union said, yeah, teachers uh, may be walking out and striking force into unsafe schools. Hmm. And basically what they were saying is they just want the schools to open. And, and Bob, I think that's wrong because we need to get kids back to school and uh, learn and that. And um, Of course. They... And uh, also, it isn't just about, and I tell people this all about time, just the same as in business. It's just not about learning things and being able to get on a computer and do stuff and that. It's also about relationships. You right. need to get to uh, know other people and, and develop friends and, uh, you know, <clears throat> and customers and, and develop other opportunities to do things. And you got to be able to go out and play sports and get involved in other things the school has going on. Uh, because it isn't just about sitting at home in front of the computer. Yeah. It's going out and uh, being a part of the human life. Absolutely. In fact, uh, President Trump said uh, you know, he really favors school choice. And if uh, the schools don't open, any money that's coming from the federal government needs to go to the parents so they can move their kids to other schools. I think this is kind of a wake-up call to these unions. <laughs> Trump is just always several steps ahead of these people. and It's unbelievable. Well, yeah, and that's the way it's got to be. And, uh, you know... Uh, but when you come back and think about it, and they don't want to open up schools and just want to learn from home and that, uh, they'll control what's on the media and everything. It's it's all about control. It's yeah. all about control. It is so disappointing. Simply put, it's just never about what they say on the surface. It's all about defeating racism, but ensuring Democrats are always voted into office forever and ever. That's what they want, and these are the tactics they use, including Portland, Seattle, uh, Chicago, whatever's going in New York City, uh, these are all tactics in order to create fear and uh, really bring people back into line and to uh, intimidate and gain their way. Well, that's right. And, you know, other, Los Angeles and St. Louis, St. Louis is having some real problems too. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, and I think Miami's having some problems too. So. And how about Kansas City? Who would ever think Kansas City would be having these types of problems? Murder rights are, are going up substantially in violence. So, so again, uh, all this, of course, would stop on November 3rd if Biden were elected into office, but uh, we need to resist. President Trump is the last bastion of hope, quite frankly, to protect us from becoming a totally socialist nation. That's right, and, and people need to wake up to that and step back and really understand what's going on and, and uh, dig into the details. And I, I tell people all the time, when you listen to the Democrats and the unions and all that, uh, you know, a lot of what they're saying are lies, and they're being hypocritical on it. And the best thing you can do is don't listen to what they say. Watch how they act and do. They'll yeah. tell you a lot more. Absolutely. Again, Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Get a copy of the book at his website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Also on my website, you get a, uh, one of the, a copy at a nice discount, and, of course, on any book purveyor across the nation, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, by Dave Bigo. Dave, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Bob. And um, I'll be sending you the link uh, to go on this uh, thing for my blogs, and I hope you'll 
put it in your newsletter so that uh, people can um, uh, go in and read these blogs because it'll, it'll tell them a lot of the truth of what's going on today. All okay? right. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. If you'd like to get a copy of the newsletter that I just that Dave just referenced, uh, I, and I also appreciate any comments you have about the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. Coming up on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be t- covering current global events. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He's the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. His, the latest is uh, Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>